the small fringe minority of people who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views. Uh, Hey everyone, welcome to the Unacceptable Views Podcast again this week. Um, uh, I'm Reggie, this is Dave. How's it going everybody? Hey. Um, we had some good feedback, good response, good uh, good overall reception to last week's episode. Um, thanks everyone for the comments, for sharing. Um, if you like this episode or previous episodes, please continue sharing it, uh, liking our Facebook pages and stuff, and I uh, hope you enjoyed uh, this episode. Um yeah, we have a pretty packed uh, agenda we want to talk about today. Um, yeah, we, we, we got a few good, interesting topics, some funny stories to share. Um, but uh, to start off, Dave, um, today's Valentine's Day. Do you know that, Dave? Did you forget? No, I, I haven't forgotten that, so I'm okay. And uh, just so everybody knows, the story that Reggie's going to share about this I didn't know this story until Reggie shared it with me to get ready for today's podcast. Yeah, so as you guys all know, Dave and I, we both homeschool our children. Well, you know, us and our wives homeschool our children. And in my case, uh, Danielle, my, my, my wife, she prepares the curriculum for the children every week. And this, because it was Valentine's Day today, she prepared a Valentine's Day curriculum for the children with some crafts and some some coloring and she decided to bring a teaching element into the history or the origins of Valentine's Day and it's actually a very interesting story that I thought would be very um, good for our listeners to know so if anybody's interested one of the traditions of the Valentine's Day um, origins there's there's a few different uh, storylines a few different myths that claim to know the origins of who Valentine was Valentine was a saint that's why they called him Saint Valentine um, but the one of the most popular stories which sort of cemented the the story of Valentine's Day was regarding this gentleman called Saint Val- well his name was just Valentine at the time he wasn't a saint yet and the year was two, 263 in the Roman Empire and there was an emperor at the time Emperor Claude II and at the time he found that he was at war but I mean at the time the emperor the Roman Empire was at war all the time but at the time he was finding that his war effort wasn't going that great because he was uh his men of young age were getting married too much and he found that married men made less or made um, less effective soldiers or less likely to go to war or maybe just more committed to their families. So for a period of time, he actually banned the act of marriage for young men in his country. Um, this was actually, I think, well received by a lot of people because it was going to promote the war effort. This gentleman named Valentine, who was a doctor, he eventually became a priest, and he decided to defy these laws and started secretly marrying people um, uh, in his spare time, I guess. And uh, <laughs> he he was renowned as you know the guy to go see if you wanted to get married secretly because the emperor forbid it forbid it at the time. And he uh, he gained a good reputation doing that, but at the same time he was very much hated. Uh, when he was found out, the emperor tried him, well, arrested him, tried him. He was executed because of these crimes. Um, and at the time, a lot of people probably supported the idea of the emperor executing the, uh, the, the priest Valentine because he was impeding in the war effort that was for the collective good of the country. Um, so just a, a parallel, a funny story, because, you know, this gentleman essentially went against the grain, went against government policies, um, did what he thought was right rather than following the actual law and he was persecuted for it and then it took centuries for 
people to realize that actually he was right. Love is better than war. Um, nobody will argue with that today. Um, and eventually he was canonized as, uh, as a saint and we developed a tradition of Valentine's Day, which is based around love and not war. Um, so yeah, just an interesting story to sort of uh, start our episode off and give us a background on what the, the origins of, of Valentine's Day is. And maybe you could share that story with your, with your loved ones um, and anybody you know and uh, make them reflect on sometimes doing what's right is not what's popular. And sometimes doing what's right will get you in trouble, but it doesn't mean that it's, it's not the right thing to do. Um, yeah, so moving on, um, I don't know what else is going on today, Dave. Yesterday was the, the Super Bowl. Did you catch it? No, actually, this time I didn't catch it. I've been uh, a Tom Brady fan for a long time, and uh, I don't know if it's because he wasn't playing for once that I didn't uh, didn't catch it, but we just had a lot going on. Sounds like it was an exciting game, though, and they had lots of people in the stands. Yeah, I... I... I just I hope that everybody who watched it last night realized the the, the, the contrast of what's going on. I mean, there is a stadium of seventy thousand people. No one, it seemed like nobody was wearing masks. Uh, nobody was socially distancing. Um, life was appeared to be um, essentially normal. Some somebody made a good tweet that I that I saw last night. This this gentleman called John Defoe. So I'm using his quote. So I give, might as well give him credit. He said, tonight, 70,000 maskless adults are shoulder to shoulder enjoying life as normal in California. But at the same time, 7 million California school children will have to go to school tomorrow, keep apart, and they'll have to wear a mask for eight hours a day. And I mean, that's not just in California. That's obviously the same thing in Ontario. Um, so when we watch the Super Bowl with 70,000 people living life as normal, um, you know, can we stop the charade? Can we stop the, 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 the pretending that uh, everybody needs to wear masks for for the greater good like obviously um, it's not truly how people how people uh, feel you know I, I often talk to Dave about this how Jordan Peterson often says you know you are um, you believe in how you act not in what you say you know people say we need masks but people don't really act like they do believe in the masks you know there was even Ellen DeGeneres last night taking selfies with no mask on with friends and partying at the Super Bowl and other well-known celebrities doing this and at the same time you know they're gonna next time they're they need to virtue signal they'll put their mask on and claim that how important it is for us to all continue wearing masks for the greater good um, yeah and, and I don't uh, I don't go stalking around the internet to see what dr. Fauci is saying but I know that last year he was condemning the Super Bowl as a super spreader event and and mm -hmm. kind of coming out with the narrative that just wait for two weeks after the Super Bowl, it's going to be a disaster in Florida. And the disaster never happened. Yeah. But I haven't heard anybody talking about a disaster waiting to happen from this year's Super Bowl. So maybe in some really slow way, society is learning a little bit um, uh, just the way things are progressing here. And let's hope things keep progressing that way. And if anybody was shocked to watch the Super Bowl and see this, is displayed um, and, and if you're somebody who doesn't watch sporting events regularly and just the Super Bowl once a year um, this has been happening every single weekend or every single week for the last two years in states like Florida Texas Georgia um, every one of these states have football uh, stadiums full they have NASCAR races full every weekend they have hockey arenas full baseball stadiums full all summer um, no mask requirements uh, no vaccine uh, requirements to enter these establishments um, 
and no massive super spreader events. So this is not, you know, an abnormality. Um, it's just, it's just um, eye opening when you see it on such a national scale when, you know, a lot of people finally watch a sporting event like this when they don't watch them at any other time during the year. Um, but yeah, just, it just shows the, um, just, just on that final point on the fact that California is still a state that, um, requires masks on every children in the classroom, but will, will allow 70,000 people to gather maskless because they're adults. Um, it just, uh, you know, our priorities don't seem to be all that straight sometimes. Um, yeah, moving on, Dave, what else did, uh, what else do we want to talk about today? Um... Well, we, we can start out with the uh, change in definition for vaccines relative to what immunity means. Yeah, exactly. That was so an interesting story that came across um, my, I guess, news feed or my somebody pointed it out to me in the last week was that the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, decided to change the definition of a vaccine the other day. Um, and it's not the first time they, they've changed the definition of vaccine. Um, about a year ago, they changed the definition of vaccine um, to incorporate the fact that it doesn't just have to be a, um, I guess, a, um, a formulation that is made of a sort of dead virus, which was a traditional way to vaccine to create vaccines. They amended their vaccine definition and so did Webster's Dictionary to say that a vaccine is a formulation made up of either a, um, and I'm paraphrasing here and I'm, I'm not a scientist, so I don't know the exact terminology, but it was something along the lines of a formulation that can be made of a dead virus or neutralized virus, but also a synthetic genetic material to to provide immunity to to the to to a person. Um, so that they had to change that because um, the, um, the because because the mRNA vaccine was not using a traditional viral vector um, uh, platform to provide immunity. So. Um, that was a year ago. Now today, th th this past week, they decided to change the definition again. Um, and this time they wanted to take out the word immunity from the definition of vaccine. And this was sort of done under the radar and it wasn't really re widely reported. It was reported through fact checks because a lot of people were, were, were questioning it. So the fact checkers from Reuters and, and some other news agencies came out and said, whoa, 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 people. Yes, the definition has been changed, but it's just it makes perfect sense do not do not do not question this this is just the government telling you what definitions mean and it's okay if governments change definitions it i mean i understand why they changed the definition but i think it's very important for everybody to understand why they changed the definition of the word vaccine so the previous definition of the word vaccine according to the cdc was the act of introducing a vaccine into or the definition of vaccination sorry that's uh, that's what they changed the definition of vaccination it's the act of introducing a vaccine into the body to produce immunity to a specific disease that was the prior definition now they changed the definition to the act of introducing a vaccine into the body to protect to produce protection from a specific disease so the reason why they did this and it's because they said it was giving people the false assumption that all vaccines need to be 100% uh, providing immunity. And because no vaccine has ever provided 100% immunity, people think that all of a sudden because the COVID vaccine is only 60%, 30%, 20% effective, um, people jump on that claim and say, oh, look, it's not a vaccine because it's not 100% effective. 
and they say no vaccine has been 100% effective, so we're just going to take out the word immunity from the definition. But here's the problem with that. It discredits all previous vaccines because yes, no vaccine has ever been 100% effective, but generally speaking, a vaccine provides immunity. That's the number that's there's two goals to a vaccine providing protection, but it's also to provide immunity. It provides immunity from the spread and the major vaccines that have ever been developed for polio, measles, etc., have all had the intent of eradicating those diseases down the line. Maybe not right away, but eventually the goal is to eradicate the disease because it provides immunity from the actual virus. It also provides protection in case of you get it and then you get you know less severe outcome. So, so we went from COVID vaccines being there for immunity and protection. And now we've come to the conclusion, according to the CBC, CDC, where now they are there just for protection and they do not need to be providing immunity. So the reason why this is important and, and striking is because they've changed the definition for all future vaccines. I mean, so a vaccine no longer has to provide immunity. All it has to do is provide protection. So based on that definition, I mean, any type of therapeutic product that provides protection will now be considered a vaccine. Think about, you know, you have, you're at risk of heart disease because of your risk factors or your family history and the doctor prescribes you a medication that's going to prevent you from getting heart disease. It's going to protect you from getting heart disease. That is now, according to the CDC, a form of vaccine because it's a, according to their definition, it's something that's introduced to the body that provides protection from a specific disease. It doesn't provide immunity, it just provides protection. I mean, we can think of vitamin C, vitamin D. Um, all these things are, are things that are recommended by a lot of health professionals to provide protection. They are not things that provide immunity. So this is not an anti-vax stance. Um, this is just essentially sort of critically thinking about changing definitions because when we start changing definitions, we are essentially changing the definition of all future vaccines. and if we don't expect our vaccines to be providing immunity, well, then, you know, what we're, 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 we're shifting the, the, the credibility of an actual vaccine um, going forward. And, and the reason that, that this part really kind of reeks of hypocrisy for me is because so many of the vaccine type mandates and vaxports have been based initially on the idea that the vaccine would stop the spread from person to person. Mm -hmm. And now we know that that's not the case because region after region has had far higher cases um, or case counts of COVID after they've implemented these vaccine passports than what they had before implementing them. Mm -hmm. um, and even that is just enough to, to show a person looking at the data that they didn't work and that the vaccine doesn't stop the spread. So changing the definition is sort of an underhanded after the release way of trying to make these mandates seem like they were less intrusive and like they were uh, um, more about just encouraging people to protect themselves than they were about the initial um, the initial cell that it was given to people that it would protect everyone exactly and i i think i've, I've heard some scientists come out and and say that maybe you know we can still love this product the pfizer product the moderna product for its benefits to protect people 
Um, there could still be huge benefits from it from a protection standpoint. But I've heard a lot of people say, well, why don't we just reframe it? You know, let's call it a therapeutic product. Um, and then in that sense, it's it's a product that you take that helps you in the event that you get this, but it doesn't provide immunity. It doesn't provide prevent the spread. It's a therapeutic product, sort of like a medication you would take for your heart. And a great example of, of, of how I, why I think that we will be shifting towards this mentality, um, which I think is the right mentality. I would rather us rename this to a therapeutic rather than redefine the word vaccine because we do not live in 1984, George Orwell's dystopian future, um, where we do uh, just change definitions on a whim. Moderna just last week um, issued a press release that said that with the mRNA technology that they've developed for their vaccine for COVID, they're working on more mRNA uh, uh, life-saving research. And one of the products that they're working on is a co collaboration with AstraZeneca, so two mRNA well, um, uh, or two vaccine manufacturers. But what they're trying to work on is going to be an mRNA therapeutic injection. And this is how they defined it. They did not define it as a, as a, as a mRNA vaccine. They called it a therapeutic injection that will help cardiac function and essentially um, prevent heart disease. So, and this was from an actual press release from Moderna. Um, you can go look it, out, look it up on their website. So it seems like even the mRNA companies are shifting their terminology. They didn't, they didn't say we are working on a mRNA vaccine that will prevent heart disease. They are working on a new technology that's going to be able to provide mRNA injections as a therapeutic for patients. So great. And, and that, that, that's actually, you know, groundbreaking technology, groundbreaking research will likely save millions of lives if we can find a way to, um, to find products that actually help people with heart disease, help people with cancer, stuff like that. But we need to rightly call it what it is. We need to actually um, understand what it is as a therapeutic and not necessarily as a, as a vaccine because by calling it a vaccine, then we lose the credibility of future vaccines. Um, I think the reason why they're trying to keep the COVID vaccine as a vaccine is because it's a very good way to stigmatize the people that are not taking it. It's a very good way to divide society. Um, it's a very good way to, to, I guess, keep the narrative going and not um, feel bad for having fired people and you know <laughs> ostracized people from society for six months because they decided not to take this therapeutic. Because when you, if we ever we do decide as a consensus to define these as a therapeutic, um, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow to realize that people were fired because they wouldn't take a therapeutic product. It's just not, I mean, agree or disagree with taking that therapeutic product. We just do not live in a society that fires people because they do not take a therapeutic product. Yeah. Wh when was the last time when you went to work and they're taking your blood pressure at the door? <laughs> and if your blood pressure is high, they're making sure that you take a blood pressure pill every day or every week or or you can you can make countless examples like that but i think that one drives home the point yeah all right and moving on um we'll we'll keep bringing you more developments on definition changes in in the future um i find that particularly striking anytime we see definition changes and it's you know like i said there's been a few definition changes in the past year uh, sorry to drag on this point dave but the other definition change uh, change that happened in the past year or so that really bothered me that maybe we can discuss on another episode was the fact that anti-vaxxer was a uh, was a term <laughs> reserved as um, anybody who opposed all vaccines but 
in the last year or so has become Webster's Dictionary has defined it as anyone who opposes mandatory vaccines. So you could be fully vaccinated from every single vac uh, disease that's had a vaccine for. You could have vaccinated every one of your children. Um, you could encourage everybody in your life to get vaccines and, and, and spread their benefits. But if you're against the mandates of vaccines, you are now defined as an anti-vaxxer. So that, that was a very, you know, uh, troubling definition change that I thought, you know, labeled essentially half the country as anti-vaxxer at this point. Um, but anyways, that, that's for another episode. I think we need to touch on that. Let's move on to the next storyline from this past, uh, something that, that occurred this past weekend, Dave. Um, yeah, we've, uh, we've had some flags sighted amongst a protest. Have you heard this kind of story before? <laughs> mm. Um, yeah. And you know, um, this one I find was just as troubling as the first sighting of a, of a flag being being shown. If you guys recall, uh, this was in the far, far, far distant past when there was a protest of 50,000 people on Parliament Hill and a single individual brought a flag that represented an ideology that is today known to be unacceptable and, and rightly so and condemned by many people. Um, and this individual was rightly called out by the organizers and told to leave and he did leave and this flag has not been seen in two weeks on this this protest but regardless every single day since then the mainstream media as well as justin trudeau has been calling out this protest as hate-filled and extremist based on a single sighting among fifty thousand people two weeks ago now fast forward to this weekend um some about a, a few hundred people in Ottawa, not 50,000, but a few hundred, uh, gathered illegally for that matter, um, uh, around Parliament Hill in order to protest the protesters. Um, these people showed up, um, gathered side by side, um, and as you know, in Ontario right now, it's illegal to gather in more in crowds of more than 50 outside, but and these are the rules that the truckers are trying to abolish. Um, but these protesters came out to tell the protesters, the truckers, to say, stop trying to change the rules. We love the rules while breaking the rules. So, <laughs> but while breaking these rules and holding up signs that said, trust the science and I believe in science while wearing masks outdoors, which science has proven to be quite ineffective, um, they, someone in the crowd was holding a flag of the communist symbol. And this was reported by some media outlets, but mostly the ones that are not considered mainstream. It was called out by Jason Kenney, the Premier of Alberta. It was called out by a couple of other independent reporters. But the mainstream legacy media, including CBC, CTV News, um, including Justin Trudeau, uh, including Justin Trudeau's entire cabinet, nobody came out and said, hold on a second, um, this protest carried a flag that represents um, an ideology that is in some cases considered far worse than the flag that was considered that that was seen you know two weeks ago um, e either way both ideologies were deadly exactly communism um, as Jason Kenney pointed out when he called this out uh, just two or yesterday um, he said that um, rightly said that studies have shown including one study from Harvard that the ideology of communism uh, killed over a hundred million people throughout the 20th century uh, not to mention the billions of people that are still being oppressed and tortured through communist regimes you know so um, yeah it's uh, it, it's not a flag that should be flown in Canada 
But like Dave and I discussed this, it's not something we would ever say that, oh, it should be banned or because we don't believe in banning any flags. We believe in sort of absolute free speech, um, to, and especially when it comes to just expressing opinions. And if you want to have a debate on communism or on the Confederate flag, that I think those are, those are acceptable things to act, have debates on, but they should be called out as for what they are, which are inappropriate and not an ideology that aligns well with a liberal democracy such as Canada. And, and the key take-home message for me out of this is that the exact same politicians and media outlets that, as Reggie said, criticized the Freedom Convoy for weeks are staying silent on the exact same issue happening to the protesters they favor. Mm -hmm. So when you look at journalism, usually you expect if, if there's an article that comes out that it's going to tackle both sides of the issue and portray that equally. So if CBC is portraying it equally, they need to spend just as much time condemning the communist flag that was cited in the, uh, what do we call this group? The anti-protester protesters? Yeah, we call them the let's keep the rules that don't allow us to protest, protest people yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how we phrase that but. yeah I was trying to explain <laughs> this to the kids earlier that the protesters were out there protesting illegally to have an otherwise peaceful protest ended because they want to keep those rules in place and, and it just I couldn't explain the logic of the protesters who are breaking the rules that they wanted enforced exactly. um, yeah. so I guess we're kind of digressing in this, trying to figure out something we're never going to be able to figure out as far as the logic of the, the counter-protest. Yeah. Um, anyways, that's it just goes to show, again, like Dave said, the hypocrisy. Why was it not called out? And, uh, and, and, and it, should be, it should be called out because it is an ideology that, that the government does stand against. And they, they, it's not just you know questionable ideology. It is an ideology that... The government does condemn. They do not. They do not endorse communism and uh, liberal democracies. You know, fought for years, uh, communist re communist regimes and 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 fighting the ideology. And and it's not to say that there shouldn't be debates about it, but it should be something that is called out and not acceptable. I guess, um, or or something that's um, shouldn't shouldn't be passed up as you know a free pass. You know, yes, there was a questionable flag at this protest, but. It was just one flag. And it's like, well, you know, the same thing happened two weeks ago and we, we never, you know, we, we spent two weeks discussing a single flag and now we don't even spend a single second discussing this flag. But that's why you have the Unacceptable Views podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on. Um, if you're just as tired of the CBC as we are because they do not report on things like this, we have a really good story from the CBC that will make you cringe even more. And I'm going to let Dave take the lead on this sto story. Well, actually, I'll, I'll give you some of the, 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 the pretext of this story and and then Dave can because Dave's our expert on freedom and liberty here um, and, and he can give us his thoughts on it um, but for everybody to truly understand the CBC is a news organization that is operated by the federal government and receives 1.3 billion dollars of funding it's so it's essentially paid for by your tax dollars um, and the problem the reason why people have a problem with the CBC is that it, it, you can see throughout the years they have become very um, biased 
to left-wing ideologies. And I mean, I'm saying this as somebody who considered himself left-wing in the past, and now I'm not really sure where I stand, but I even knew this when I was a left-wing. I knew that CBC was a left-wing journalist outlet, but they've become so far left-wing recently where they come out with stories that um, just boggles my mind, and, and, and they, they just refrain from criticizing Justin Trudeau at all costs. They, they essentially never criticize him, which is, which is troubling. You know, If you're going to have a state-run broadcaster, it needs to be able to criticize its own government. Otherwise, you are left with a Russian-owned or a Chinese-owned state broadcaster, which in those countries, the state broadcaster cannot criticize the leader. Um, but we live in a liberal democracy, so the state broadcaster should criticize its leaders, and ours doesn't. So anyways, just to preface you know, how far down the CBC has gone, yesterday they, um, they published an article, and the title of this article was why the word freedom is such a useful rallying cry for protesters. And their subtext, their subtitle was, the word freedom has become common among far-right groups, experts say. So first of all, anytime you see an article from CBC saying experts say, oh, just just shake your head. I mean. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little worried when you introduced me as an expert on freedom and liberty <laughs> earlier that it may actually take away from what I might say in a couple minutes. So this mainstream article that was that that is on the CBC News website right now had had the following quotes. Okay, freedom. It is a term that has resonated. You can define it and understand it, and sort of manipulate it in a way that makes sense to you and is useful to you, depending on your on your perspective. But freedom is a slippery slope said one, one of the experts. Freedom is a slippery slope. Um, they also said many freedoms, many protesters are framing their calls for freedom, um, but their calls are renders the word meaningless. What they're really asking for is a shift in government policy that could potentially have negative impact on others. Um, another quote in the, in the article, they're saying that freedom is often used as a national entitlement, as a claim that people want to have. They further state in the article that they believe that freedom, the term freedom, was is a term that came from the United States because there's been a lot of calls for freedom in the United States and it sort of infiltrated our society and our ideology where more people are asking for freedom. Now, I'm not going to debate the, the views of these experts um, because they, they have legitimate views. Everybody can have a different view on, you know, um, as a, you know, the communist ideology, which would you know group us all as a society, and nobody would have individual freedoms because everything's for the greater good, as opposed to a individual mindset. What I find troubling about this article is that they stigmatize the word freedom. It's essentially saying that freedom is a far right term, and anybody who advocates for freedom is now considered far right. When in my in my opinion, the word freedom should be considered a centrist term. You could be you know, I think advocating against freedom would be considered far left. Um, far right would be saying um, no, no government whatsoever. Um, and that's not really what the protesters are asking for. They're just asking for freedom. Right, Dave? Yeah. So my biggest problem with the way that the, the word freedom is being portrayed as like being equal to the other F word as far as how bad it is or how dirty it is, is because there's a, a real push to portray those asking for freedom as if they are somehow asking to take away the freedoms of people who want to keep the mandates or people who want to choose to be vaccinated. And that is not what's happening. The, the folks in the freedom convoy 
that are protesting for freedom are not saying we want our freedom but we want to take away your freedom that that's never been said they've they've never have argued for that they are simply asking for freedom for all mm -hmm. and the way this gets presented in this cbc article tries to kind of creatively word it so that it's as if somehow freedom is a bad thing here mm -hmm. they're trying to frame it as if you want the freedom to take off your mask you're essentially taking away someone else's freedom in the grocery store to be surrounded by everybody with masks and i understand the train of thought but that's not how we have traditionally viewed freedom you know the the old saying you know your freedom to swing your arm ends at my face is a good analogy but in this case you know we're talking about a respiratory illness that has a 99.8% survival rate and we're talking about a mask that we do not even know if it's effective or not um, so the idea that we're equating um, the freedom to not wear a mask uh, with microparticles when people have the perfectly perfect freedom to stay more than six feet away from you in the grocery store if they want and they have the opportunity to wear two masks if they want they have the opportunity to wear three masks I, I can't understand how wanting the freedom to not wear a mask or even wanting the freedom to operate a business that doesn't require masks because right Dave it's important to note that if you're a business that wants to implement mask mandates in your business I think that would be a perfectly acceptable position to take as well right right so that the freedom to do what you feel is best on your private property is very important and if we look at this from a basis of just what happens in somebody's house mm -hmm. okay if you don't want to invite people over to your house that are unvaccinated you can choose to do that on your private property you have the freedom to choose on that. Mm -hmm. By the same token, if we look at a grocery store and you have two grocery stores in any given town, if the owner of one decides he wants the freedom to require masks of anyone who enters his private property or her private property, then they should have the freedom to do that. Even though that may be unpopular with some folks who, who are very much against masks, we have to make sure that we allow the freedom to choose to always prevail. But as soon as you allow one grocery store to choose to only invite people with masks in his or her store, we need to allow an, an, another business person to also choose to not enforce a masking policy. And, and if that's the example we're using is masks, then that freedom to choose doesn't infringe on anybody else. Exactly. It doesn't force someone who wants to wear a mask to go somewhere without one. There's never been any attempt by anyone I'm aware of to force someone to take their mask off if that's what they wanted to do. Exactly. And if grocery store A decides that we are keeping the masks, fine. If grocery store B decides we do, we not, we're not going to enforce the mask, and you feel uncomfortable going to that grocery store, then fine. Or when you do decide to go to that grocery store, you wear three masks and you just stay six feet away from everybody. It's not an unreasonable thing to do. Right now, businesses don't even have that choice. So I think, and right now businesses don't even have the choice to uh, accept people into their businesses that are unvaccinated. You know, that that's kind of, uh, that, that that's 
goes against every element of freedom. You know, if I'm a business owner, you know, Dave invited me in his house right now and I'm unvaccinated. What if the government told him that, Dave, you can't invite people that are unvaccinated in your house? Well, actually, British Columbia has done that, right? And other countries have implemented those types of rules. But, I mean, that that defies freedom right in its face. And, um, yeah. and I, I think the, the take-home message out of this is we need to actually think about a, what a word means. We were earlier talking about how the definition of vaccination has been changed. And it seems like CBC is trying to change what the word freedom means mm. and kind of gaslight people into thinking that somehow it's it's now become the other bad f word out mm -hmm. there yeah i i have an interesting quote from um I, I don't know if you guys know but i have a Substack blog where i blog about some of these topics and if ever you guys want to check it out just look me up on Substack. but i had a comment from a, a reader yesterday who was very upset with some of my writings and he described me as a um uh, he made some sort of comment saying that I should be sharing this type of information with my anti-Trudeau, pro-Trump, freedom-loving fans or freedom-loving followers. And I, I mean, I was really flattered that he, he actually claimed that I had so many followers. I mean, that, you know, you know, you made it big when that happens. <laughs> but uh, joking aside, I thought a quote like that was very striking because, you know, somebody equates um, pro-Trump, anti-Trudeau and freedom all in the same sentence. And it's like, so essentially all three are bad, you know, you, you and, and that's, I, I don't know, I just find that a little bit confusing. Like I do, I, I'm not a fan of Trudeau, um, but I've never been a fan of Trump either. So, I mean, that's a false reflection of me, but I am a fan of freedom, but I don't see how the three equate to each other. Like why is, you know, being anti-Trudeau means that you love freedom, being pro-Trudeau, would that make you a freedom hater? Like I'm, I'm not. I, I, but that's, I mean, I don't want to paint everybody with the same brush, but I, I feel like that's the ideology that we're letting seep into our, our society where freedom is, is, is so negatively viewed. Um, yeah. It, it, it's a problem where we're trying to throw every individual into a group and take away their, their voice or their opinion and their thought process that we can't allow individuals to express their own opinion and allowing the freedom to have Reggie and I for example have a different opinion is very very important as soon as we're all put into one group one classification then we suddenly lose that ability to come up with newer and better ideas and have society progress forward yeah one example is you know Currently in Ontario, you're only allowed to have nine people in your house. Dave and I both have families of five. Well, you can have ten people, but nine of yourself. Dave and I both have families of five. So, you know, our own private homes, the government says that we can't have more than five extra people. And up until, what, two weeks ago, we couldn't even have a single person in our homes. It was illegal for Dave to have me over. It was illegal for Dave to come to my house. Uh, we were breaking the law just by hosting a podcast. And... The people that are advocating saying, you know, you're impeding on my freedom. And then the CBC says, Oof, freedom, freedom to have people in your house. Come on, come on, freedom to have people in your house. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, how is that? How is that? How is that taken away from anybody? If I have if I have six people in my house, how, I don't understand the, the concept there. But um, I, I wish I had an answer for you on that one. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, 
it's kind of uh, when we allowed that, we, we normalized that two years ago, that the government would uh, would impede on how many guests you can have in your house, and people look past that because I think ninety percent of people break those rules regularly, and uh, even people who support the mandates in general. Um, when I bring up the fact that you know you are anti mandates, you are anti rules because you break them with your gatherings, and they say, "Well, not that rule." Well, you know, if you break one rule, then you realize one rule is flawed, you know, they might all be flawed. You know, we can't, you know, why is your definition of freedom better than my definition of freedom? And, uh, you know. It, it just comes back to another expression that we've used many times to point out the hypocrisy over the last two years, rules for thee and not for me. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be the, the motto of the anti-protest protesters that we're <laughs> gathering in Ottawa. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're, we're here to... Uh, to make sure that everybody knows there should be rules in place, but we're going to break the rules today while we tell you that those rules should yeah. be in place. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's good. But uh, one final thing I wanted to touch on, um, babe, I hadn't put it on the agenda, but an interesting quote from Justin Trudeau the other day when he was warning the protesters that uh, they should go home because he said, if anybody stays, we're going to start arresting people. And he, he made a very striking threat to the protesters, the protesters that many that can't work right now because they're unvaccinated. Um, he said, I warn you, if you stay, you may get arrested. And if you get a criminal record, that will affect your ability to work in the future. And when I listened to that, I was like, does he not realize that these people can't work right now? Does he realize that right now, today in 2022, February 2022, you are more likely to get a job if you have a criminal record than if you have a unvaccinated status? So, you know, it's a very, you know, I don't know, short-sighted threat that I don't think he quite realized uh, what he was saying because today you're better off having an un- uh, a criminal record than having a vaccination status that says you're unvaccinated if you are trying to apply for a job. If you wanted to work for the city of West Nipsing right now, even if you were driving a plow, West Nipsing is where Dave and I live, if you're driving a plow uh, truck and you're in your truck all day, um, you never expose yourself to anybody, um, you can have a criminal record and you will not lose your job right now. Um, but if you are unvaccinated, you would lose your job right now. If I wanted to apply for a position at the city right now or a position at um, many institutions, uh, many organizations, I could have a criminal record from something I did a few years ago and I may still get hired. But if I'm unvaccinated, it's a no-go. So, yeah, just puts things in perspective that... Uh, that uh, you know, we, 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 I think we've lost track of how, how limited the, the, the freedoms of unvaccinated people are at this point. Yeah, so I think we, I think we touched on everything we want to talk about today, Dave. Um, I think, um, yeah, maybe we'll just end with a summary of what we've been up to this past week. Um, what have you been up to, Dave? Um, besides farming, which I probably haven't done enough of in the last week, uh, I did contact my MPP and, and also my MP, Mark Saray, and that was pretty interesting because um, I, I spoke to somebody in his office and they mentioned that they were getting hundreds of calls right now about either mandates or the convoy, etc. And I don't think they get hundreds of calls historically when people say I want more mandates and rules implied upon me they they generally get those levels of calls when people disagree with what's going on so uh, maybe if I actually do get a reply 
we can talk about that next week, but I'm, I'm not going to hold my breath or it might be a long week. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I think, I think it's, it's, if, uh, and, and also Dave was, uh, I wasn't able to make it out to this week's protest, but Dave was there again, a big, uh, turnout for our local protest here in West Nipsing. If you're in West Nipsing and you want to come out, um, the, the, the movement seems to be growing every weekend. Every Saturday from one to three in front of City Hall. Yeah, and there's more. I'll be there next Saturday. There's always gonna the crowd keeps getting bigger every weekend. It's such a, a, a good atmosphere. Um, everybody's there, happy. Everybody's there is positive. Um, there's there's no host, there's there's no you know hostility. There's no fights breaking out. It's uh, and we're and everybody you know aside from one negative incident from that Dave can touch on that. Uh, a plow truck driver that got too close to the crowd um you know still the vast majority of people are honking loudly and almost every truck driver that passes by honks loudly so uh, don't believe the media the people people are on our side and even then when we don't get a honk there are like many people i guess they're too shy to to honk or maybe their horns don't work anymore because there's a few horns that sounded like they barely worked anymore too Mm -hmm. but lots of the folks that don't honk are waving and giving a thumbs up when they go by and smiling and and just generally supportive and uh, if you've been too shy to come out so far it's it's just a great activity to get some fresh air and to to see the amount of support in the community for freedom yeah and the movement is working you know they um, what this past week four out of the ten provinces have announced that they're removing all mandates and I think today the Ontario government is going to be announcing they're removing their own mandates. And people will claim, oh, well, this was going to happen anyways. The movement has nothing to do with it. Um, come on, people. How it, it's it, it, we've, we've come to learn one thing in this country in the last two years. It's extremely easy to put in rules, but to take away rules has been extremely hard. And governments take forever to take them away. And in just one week, now we're going to have seen five provinces take away these rules. So if this is not a direct impact of this convoy happening, um, I, I think this is um, what else was causing this. You know, it's it's clearly the people are speaking out. Um, the people are telling the governments that we're fed up with this. There's a National Post uh, article just from last night with a recent poll that says 66% of Canadians want to see all mandates gone. Um, so, you know, you may think you're alone, but uh, people are people are tired of mandates. And on Dave's note about emailing or calling, he called uh, Mark Serey. Um, this past weekend, my wife sent an email to Mark Surrey's office. I've been actively emailing our, our own city councillors these last few weeks. I think it's important for people to to stay encouraged to to reach out to your to your leaders, to your to your political leaders. Um, they they represent us, and you know their job is to represent us. So don't be shy. Call Mark Surrey's office. Call John Vantoff's office. Those are our local representatives. But if you're listening from outside of West Nipissing or or this area, call your local representatives. Put them on the spot. Ask them questions. Tell them how you feel. Send them emails. They have to respond to you. They they they, they work for us. They represent us. Um, you know, you're not annoying them. They get calls, like Dave said, hundreds of calls. But the more th- this is what impacts their their decisions when they when they make them. So call them. Call your call your municipal councilors as well and send them emails. Tell them how you feel. Um, you know, that's the best way to use your voice. You know, everybody. Oftentimes, people think that. I'm just one person. What can I do? Well, you can do a lot more than you think. You know, you use your voice, use your use your keyboard, send an email, um, 
spend five minutes a day sending an email to one representative, you do that for 30 days straight, you're going to have made a freaking pretty big impact. <laughs> you're going to need more impact than, than going out to vote once every four years. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, I think that's uh, that brings us to the end of our episode. And thanks for listening. Um, I encourage, again, everybody to share it. Follow us on the social media platforms. Subscribe so you get your you get your uh, you, you get a, a notification when the episodes come out, and um, yeah, and and yeah, don't be shy. Send us comments, send us uh, questions. Um, we're always open to topic ideas. You know, if you come across something really cool and you say this this should be discussed, send it to us. You know, we'll keep it in mind. Um, we love getting ideas for for things to discuss during our our podcast. Um, how are you? Yeah, have, have a productive week, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. All right.